I'm mixed. So your dad's Chinese, your mum's Australian. So I kind of wear different hats and look at it through different lenses. Like sometimes like look at it through my white self and I'm like, oh my gosh, China, the East, the youth, you guys are like sitting on the cusp of the most amazing wisdom knowledge and they're kind of going more West. And we're over here trying to sort out our stress by going more East. So we're all kind of like chasing our tail and I'm like, oh, I, I <sighs> just blows my mind. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Shades of Yellow. I'm your host, Summer. If this is your first time listening, Shades of Yellow is a podcast series where we feature inspiring overseas Chinese who are passionately promoting a deeper understanding of Chinese culture, bridging cultural gaps, and supporting the Chinese communities around the world. We often see in martial arts movies the portrayal of a magical force called the Qi. And more recently, in the live-action film of Disney's Mulan, Qi was portrayed almost like some sort of superpower, which also became one of the many reasons that made the film controversial. What is interesting is, despite the frequent references to this concept in pop culture, not many people understand what Qi really is. And of course, along with that, the ancient practice of qigong, which focuses on the cultivation and balance of one's qi. So in this episode, I speak with Fraser Lau, a New Zealander born to an Australian mother and a Malaysian Chinese father. When in his 20s, he made an unconventional switch from pursuing professional rugby to the learning and teaching of qigong. We talk about what prompted his transition from competitive sport, his qigong journey, and of course, I gotta ask, what exactly is qi? For the first part of my life, I was really dedicated to trying to be a professional rugby player or wanting to go as, as far as I could uh, in, in the rugby world. And I came to Qigong more when I was about 23 years old. So I'm 34 now. And I, I think I was looking for answers to health issues. And I was also looking for bigger questions as well, like kind of like, what's the purpose of everything? And um with qigong i started to get a sense that that could be something that provided more answers for me at that stage in my life so you talked about you know for for health um at least from what i've read you know there's definitely very strong and very broad health benefits when it comes to the practice of qigong but you know for you was it injury that got you you know looking um what, what was the trigger yeah, I think I was 23 and I was in my peak sort of physical condition of my life. Um, but I was having all these different stress-related symptoms come out in my health. So it was like this weird juxtaposition where I was 
in the youth and vigor of my 20s, but I was sort of breaking down a little bit. And I had been exploring different forms of meditation as a way to work on being calmer and declutter my mind. So Qigong came along at a time where I was like, wow, this is something that could really, really help. And do you still remember how you were initially introduced to Qigong? Because I could imagine, you know, when we think about managing stress, right, there's certainly the more Western approach when it comes to, you know, whether it's like therapy or there's also a more hybrid approach. So, you know, you talked about meditation, which is now very well accepted into Western society, but there's also, you know, let's say yoga and other form of Eastern meditation practice. So did you sort of try the different approach before you landed in pursuing and, and practicing Qigong? Um, so that's the first question. And the second question is, do you still remember the initial <laughs> encounter? Yeah, like, my, my one was a funny one. So I probably from 20 years old to 23, I tried lots of different systems. So I did um, yoga, I did um, meditation apps, I did lots of reading and different sort of power of positive thinking, sort of healing books, I guess you'd call it. Um, my first experience with Qigong was kind of not what you'd think. My first session was one where we did Qigong squats. So if you look around like a lot of Eastern countries um, when people are eating or hanging around in public, a lot of Asian people are in that full squat. So they're sitting on their heels mm-hmm. on the ground. Yeah. That, that was the very first exercise that I had to do for Qigong. And we did maybe 15 to 20 of them. And if you're coming from a background where you're super stiff, they're, they're the least relaxing exercise that you want to do. Yeah, like opening up all these joints in your body that you haven't really fully opened up at time. But after I had done them, there was this massive sense of calm as well as this sort of opening of energy or chi in my body that I hadn't really felt. So it took me into this really calm state as well as it felt like it really invigorated and opened my body. So I started to go, there's something in this, there's a huge wisdom in these movements and these forms that has to be explored. So that was just after one session or one experience that you already felt the impact physically and also mentally. Yeah. I think if you're in that stage of your 20s and you feel like you're racing you feel like things are going so quick and you find a a method or a form that can really slow you down or bring bring back that sense of calm it does hit you Mm -hmm. you're like wow okay this is different than um the other things i've been doing so did you know anything about qigong prior to that first encounter not not really i mean I grew up watching lots of Kung Fu movies, you know, yeah, we we all kind of caught a few Kung Fu movies and, you know, they flirt with concepts of chi and cultivating your inner self and your inner life. So I've always had an attraction to that um, ethos, but 
the actual method and forms of Qigong was pretty new. I didn't really know that the building blocks of things. Like for, for martial arts, like in the real martial art, Qigong was initially like your internal training mm-hmm. that you then carry over into like say more of your external abilities. Talked about martial art and it just got me thinking of the recent release of the Mulan live action movie and how Qi was described as this magical superpower almost in the movie. Um, the narrative was that, you know, Mulan has, you know, a really strong Qi. So talk a little bit about, you know, your initial perception of what Qi is through martial art movies and versus now that you've been practicing Qigong, which is really a practice that's centered around the Qi. And how has the, you know, your perception changed? And maybe you know, in that also clarify a little bit about what Qi really is, because I think, <laughs> I, don't, I think it's, it's been used a lot, but I don't know a yeah. lot of people really understand what it is. So if, if you're looking at Qi from a perspective of the, the Kung Fu movies or Mulan or even like Kung Fu Panda, you know, <laughs> well, there's heaps of movies where it's integrated. Yeah. Where it's starting to show itself as a concept. It's probably pitching chi more as chi as energy. Mm-hmm. So if you say Mulan has strong chi, you're kind of talking about her, her life force or her internal vigor. They're kind of using it in that aspect. Now that I've been a student of Qigong, been really lucky to have a really strong teacher. Chi takes on a, a different meaning. So you'd say, yes, it is energy. Qi also has this ability to carry information and matter. So it can have a tangible aspect to it, even though like our eyes can't see it that well. Mm-hmm. Although some people can. I, when I say some people can, like a good analogy I sometimes say is there's certain musicians. So um, the ones that I know are, are Lord, Pharrell um, and Kanye West. They, they have a, a con- condition called synesthesia. It's like they can see musical notes and color. So that's how they experience music. Chi is kind of getting more towards that where it can have like a, a physical sensation. So now after 14 years of practice for me, I can feel it, feel it in, in my hands with the movement, feel different parts of my body getting stronger. Not super easy to actually try and put into a short answer like that, but we're getting more, you see it creeping into movies now because us as a humanity, we're, we're realizing that there is a, diff, a deeper aspect to life, mm-hmm. that we have our physical body, um, but there is an energetic component that we can feel that the word she can help explain. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, you know, learning about Qigong, were there different schools of thought? Were there like different methodology or different um, ways of practicing Qigong? And, yeah. um, and which school do you belong to if there is, you know, differences? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like when, we, when you say Qigong, there's many different styles and forms um, and branches of it. So I originally started doing a form called Jinning Qigong, which has got quite a, a rich history through China. And now I do a form called Yuangong, which is 
almost like if you had distilled all the best essences of Qigong methods, combining it with um, Taoist philosophy, the traditional Chinese wisdom and traditional Chinese medicine, but merged it with uh, exercise science and science principle as well. So it's, it's very much like a, a form for the modern world. So there's many, there's many forms out there, and this is the particular one that I practice. What is the relationship between people from different schools? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an interesting one because I guess everyone has their method that they have had lots of health benefits from, say. So you do become quite loyal to your goal or your branch of knowledge that you're following. Um, I think there's also like a common understanding when I like, when I meet other Qigong students that are doing a, a slightly different method and a slightly different knowledge system. There's still like a, a nice sense of resonance between us because you've both been doing more of an internal search and work with your health and your happiness in your training so yeah there's, there's a bit of both you kind of know that you're doing your way but also um there's a residency because you've both decided to approach your health and your inner cultivation in a, in a similar way so there's no animosity or you know sort of thinking one school is more <laughs> superior or more effective than the other there's none of that it's, it's not like the kung fu movies where you like meet in the street <laughs> And start showing your chi. Um, not, not really. You were professional or semi-professional rugby player. Um, what was the transition? Was it, you know, you decided that I want to pursue qigong. So was it like a very swift transition from one to the other? Or how did you eventually make that transition from competitive sports to uh, the practice of qigong? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't professional. I sort of dabbled, got my head just in that culture for a bit, but didn't really become a fully contracted player. My, there was There's heaps of different moments. So I started to think, is this what I want to be doing with my own physical health? So obviously rugby's like high impact. And in some ways it's the opposite of the path that Qigong is leading you on. So Qigong is very much teaching you that you're inner health and your mind and your brain has so much potential to develop and cultivate. Whereas rugby, you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit. So you're definitely, you know, you can come out of your career with your full bill of health, but you're also, you're dancing a bit with potential quite serious injuries sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I had that, that moment where I wanted to just start going in a different way. And it was really knocking on my door because I had these sort of stress-related symptoms with my health that I had to face. And I also had questions about life where I wanted to um, explore deeper. It's, it's, you know, Qigong's a, there's a whole philosophy knowledge system that's attached with it as well that I was just ready to explore. Yeah, and I would say I don't think a lot of people are aware of that aspects of Qigong. And to be honest, I don't think a lot of people really understand what Qigong is and let alone the philosophical and like you said, the life aspect of it. So did you discover both at once or it's through that, you know, physical practice that you discover another aspects of Qigong? 
Yeah, so the, the Qigong system that I do comes with a, a, a wisdom knowledge system called Renshu as well. It came at the same time as doing the, mm. the actual exercises. Mm. And that was, in, internally, that was what I wanted to learn more and more as well. I was really ready to go down that wisdom path and start start mm-hmm. learning all, all these you know, wise minds through history from China, um, from the East have laid for us. So I was, yeah, I was just ready. Would you be able to share uh, just a little tidbits of that learning that really enlightened you? We have a verse before we do one of the methods called the Kaishin verse, which mm-hmm. Kaishin is, you know, open heart. And the very first line of that, verse is heaven earth and human are all teachers of infinite wisdom the more i sit with that sentence the more it changes my life because it keeps me open wherever i go that i can learn off every person i can learn off every natural setting that i'm in and i can also learn from tian or being in the universe the more and more i let that sink into my my bones as a teaching it's like life gets exponentially better and I also become less judgmental, you know, all these things that have been part of my makeup until now. It's very thought provoking because it's, you know, it's something that is just a short phrase, but then there's so much to think about and it kind of provokes deeper and deeper thinking. It's like a new lens to see the world. Yeah, that's it. That's just the first sentence. Spinning off that, like it's, there's, there's a real essence of, inner cultivation with traditional Chinese wisdom or with Qigong work. So it's like you can constantly turn yourself from iron to ore into this cleaner, more open qi or energy as yourself as a person. So that in itself is really invigorating because you know that you're always becoming more your true self. Was there any point in you know your journey that you felt like a sense of um, contradiction? We have all these expectations and, you know, things that we've been taught at a young age. Um, Were there instances where you felt like, you know, oh, this is so true, but then at the same time, it's so different than, you know, what I've been um, told my entire life. And then how do you reconcile that contradiction? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we are surrounded by other people, by an environment that hasn't really seen or hasn't really been exposed to that kind of wisdom. So this ties in more to some of the early questions as well. So like when you're first born or like so much of the stuff we're taught through school or just everything is externally seeking. Yep. So you're trying to find your your gold medal or your enlightenment outside of yourself through like career jobs and sport achievements, artistic achievements, and all these things can be like really amazing endeavors. But the, the Renshu philosophy or the um, traditional Chinese wisdom teaching is training you to come back and, and connect with yourself inside first so getting yourself happy internally so it's um that that is and not so much now but the hardest thing to reconcile so Mm -hmm. in my first 23 years of my life trying to impress my peers impress my friends achieve on a sports field be financially super successful which is still important you need to 
live in the material world yeah. but um not having that inner connection has been the rebalancing part um and the the forms of qigong of yangong one of them is a standing form where you stand and you build up your energy in your lower middle and upper dantian so you spend time literally drawing back to you coming back to your body and strengthening your connection with yourself so kind of the opposite of what i was doing for a long time i mean you know we are all in this very externally focused world right so like in a way our happiness is determined by a, a promotion or ability to buy something or going on a trip or getting a compliment from somebody you know and or you know winning uh, winning an award or, or, or winning a game. So it's all of these external things that kind of define or determine whether we're happy and also how we see ourselves. Very long time. I mean, I kind of just come to realize that my confidence comes from what other people, like others' acknowledgement or validation. It doesn't right. come from within. So I think the way you're describing it is exactly it's how do you find that confidence or peace from within as opposed to what it's being given to you by others or by society? Yeah. That's yeah. So the, the second part of the Yuan Gong Qigong system that I do is the inner cultivation part. So you have one method where you're working on the qualities of your heart and then you also have another method where you're working on the patterns of your consciousness. So you're, you're basically doing an audit of your thoughts, maybe bringing you stress. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at different ways that you're thinking that have shut your heart down. And when we talk about heart, it's the, the trust, openness, love, gratitude, and gong jing. So the true respect of your, of your heart. How are these qualities manifesting in yourself and that's kind of getting more into the the internal side of of it before um before finding peace also externally it's almost like balancing like you said is balancing your internal self with the external environment and not focusing overly on the external right yeah that's where it gets a bit deep i guess there's a point where you reach in your own inner journey where who you are internally and that piece you've been able to cultivate naturally merges with your external life and that's um another one of the sentences is saying internal and external are one traditional chinese wisdom has had huge clues they've given clues to that's the way to work in harmony with nature work in harmony with the universe work in harmony with your your family mm -hmm. all these different things coming together like that but you got to get home. You got to get your home clean first. Your internal home. I feel like qigong is something. You know, when we talk about self cultivation, it's almost like a lifelong journey of learning and self cultivating. I don't think that learning stops at any point. But then, at which point did you decide that you also want to teach? I wanted to teach pretty soon, maybe in my late twenties. So mm -hmm. I've probably been practicing myself for three or four years, and I had felt myself make these quite good changes, like just little markers in the sand, like say when I talk at a 21st 
um, back when I was at university, like I'd have, you know, I'd have like three or four beers to just take the edge off. And I felt as, as I was making these gains with my practice that I didn't get the same nerves or same anxieties that I did. So my practice was showing that I was actually growing a lot. And so it was just, I think I naturally just wanted to help people and I had a tool that I knew would work. I also felt it was like relatively undiscovered. So especially in the West, I just felt like this could help a lot of people. And I think we've all had friends that have, or our own selves had like, you know, um, depression or just gone through really hard times in their life. And I just knew that this system could help a lot of people like that. So it was just natural to want to take the teacher's training course and get a bit of confidence and just start putting putting myself out there as a as a teacher. One of the things we're taught is like it's it's very much an innate part of your human self to want to help and to want to con- contribute. We all have that energy running through us. For me, this seemed like such a natural. This was this was one way that I was going to help. How I think it kind of leads to the other question I have, which is, what was it like teaching and promoting? Because, like you said, you know how it could benefit so many people. But sometimes the people that need the help either don't realize they need it, or they don't wind up approaching, or they don't wind up encountering the the, the, the you know the type of help that they need. So, how do you show them that this is something that could potentially help when i first started i was probably a bit too guilty of going um too hard out <laughs> like just going wow this is great this is what you got to do this and like throw them into a, a, a practice session that was probably like a little bit too intense i think you balance it with when people want to find out more about these methods that will slow them down a bit then they'll they'll be ready and, and want to do it. Um, and you also can't, you can't force it either. Like one of, one of the troubles that I have with the practice is because it is such a change from the fast paced rhythm. Like if you imagine if you've come in from a, a day in a corporate work environment and maybe you've had three coffees and you're a bit sped up and you've got a couple of things that you need to do with your family that night. It's not that easy to ask someone then to now come and um, stand in the spot and focus on their lower done 10 energy <laughs> for 10, five minutes. But I think when people um, want to, and they've recognized that they really want to create more relaxed, calm, natural energy in their life, then, then they're ready to go. A couple of weeks ago, I, did this um, virtual qigong class and so it was a monday morning and you know when you talked about being ready and being in that right state of mind it just wasn't (laughs) the right state of mind for me on a monday morning you know i wasn't really i wasn't able to focus and there were just a lot of things that were running through my head but then it also kind of made me realize um the challenge for a lot of people to fully understand and to really be ready to dive into the practice of qigong so there's certainly being in the right environment and being in the right state of mind and being ready to open your heart to the practice Um, but then there's also all these things that were just so foreign and so different than what we're used to 
you know, standing and the, the movements and it's just, it's just so different. Have you, you know, encountered with your students or others that you've exchanged about Qigong? How do you actually get people to be open to something that is so different than what they know? I mean, the idea of Qi and energy, it's, it's so abstract. One way to help people who are coming in pretty new is is just to do some focus on breathing so it's like okay before we go and do this breathing just feel how you're feeling like do your your thoughts feel a bit racy or do you feel like you're kind of split in three different directions and doing two to three minutes say of lower done 10 breathing so just getting them to focus below their belly button and breathe a bit deeper and then going okay how do you feel or how do we feel now after that? Trying to get that aha moment where we're like, oh, wow, when I do breathe deeper, when I do slow myself down a bit, um, I can feel that different calmness in my body to a very short time ago. The breathing thing is starting to take over everywhere. Like if you look at um, my favorite sports team, the All Blacks, they've, they've assimilated a, it's like, 15 like super muscly men when they come together in their huddle they'll do a group collective breath before anyone starts talking so you watch them they lift their shoulders up and breathe out and if you're perceptive with your eyes you can actually see the whole energy of that group calm down and then say the captain will start talking and they'll start making a plan the whole world is waking up to just simple step of starting to breathe better and then there's a whole system to keep cultivating that. Do you always talk in such a calm manner or was it also a personal transformation through your practice? I, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I mean, when I was a uni student, I was a pretty motor mouth guy. Like I, I was a position called halfback and we were like quite notorious for being pretty chatty and I was a pretty bit of a party kid as well. Yeah, I think across the years, I've probably calmed down and connected more. You know, the, the whole focus of the practice is reconnecting, developing the connection with your body. Mm-hmm. So you start to become more grounded in your way. But I, I needed to become more grounded because I was not grounded. <laughs> so um, no, I haven't always been that calm but I'm still kind of working on that too like I still feel like I can still feel time with my so if I get a bit nervous or shy or annoyed like the chi rises so you're in this dance where you're um sinking it and just being a little more chill I, I could use a lot of that practice so when it comes to you know teaching and promoting qigong what is your vision of the future of Qigong. Because I think in our last conversation, we chatted briefly about yoga. It's funny, um, I think it was last week, there was this like outdoor yoga class. So it's in the center of like the CBD area. It was accompanied by, you know, neon lights. (laughs) And with a a really like a fast beat, almost like a, I would say pop hip hop music. And they were doing like yoga moves. You know, it just got me thinking, what is, what is the vision of, you know, promoting and sharing something that's so deep and so meaningful with people? Like, is the ultimate goal, does it need to become mainstream for, for it to be impactful? So, I, you know, I've, I've been thinking about, like, how do you 
share it with more people without succumbing to that very commercialized pop culture approach. I think there's an element of it, it's just going to grow naturally. The way the world is heading, more and more people are looking for ways to connect with themselves, looking for ways to create more calm and relaxed um, energy in their lives. And also it's almost like the whole world is waking up a bit more. We want to know more about making life feel in line and in purpose. So all these wisdom practices through history are tools for that. Even just like now, say with like coronavirus, it's all all made us stop and take an internal audit of where we're going. So whether you're saying that from an environmental perspective or just our own individual lives. And as we do that, people are going to seek out more and more practices like Qigong, the, the, the essence of yoga. But in terms of the future, I think the future will be for promoting it. It'll be more um, retreat style settings where people will go to do which is already happening around the world you know you'll go to different locations to do a week two weeks of learning and slowing down detaching having a bit of a break off the social media or not being so on our phones well yeah i mean i i obviously think it should be bigger than it is and i guess there's a bit of a saturation in the market in terms of there's so many different things so there's you know meditation apps and doing yoga with goats and <laughs> there's all these different little <laughs> so it's, it's just trying to um show that what we do has some really great effects for that internal state relaxed mm-hmm. calm and neutral but then i i just sort of see it as a natural thing as well i think as the world has been asked to slow down by either call it mother nature or just how are we going, we'll start to have more and more people wanting to do that. What is the profile of people that have come to you um, wanting to learn about Qigong? I seem to have, I have seemed to have attracted a lot of students that have come through my class are maybe like mid 25 to mid 35, which I think is really cool. Like, so a lot of people wanting to, get karma, experience the benefits of slowing down and being more relaxed. And saying that, I have had a lot of older students as well, people at different junctures in their life, so wanting to maybe change career or um, just look at things differently. Lots of professional people, so you'd maybe think people that would naturally be interested have actually been more interested and then... I guess more people that are a little bit more on their spiritual buzz wanting to find a bit of meaning as well. So kind of very much not in the corporate vibe on the business rat race, which I quite like. So you're getting both approaches wanting to do this internal health journey and happiness journey. And what is the teaching community like? In Singapore, at least, many of them are much older. And even today, sometimes when you talk about Qigong, the impression that they have in their mind is still older people doing it, teaching it. How do you think, you know, your approach could help bring Qigong to more people or to a wider audience? Yeah, our, our teaching community for Yangong and Rensha is quite interesting. So it's mainly a lot of people, probably plus 40. We have a network of 
teachers all around the world, so Australia, um, South Africa, Europe, America, um, Canada, quite a wide range of network of teachers, but a lot are probably more senior, like 40, 45 and above. Um, there's only a small amount of us that are of the younger guys. Um, for me personally, I would love to teach the 20 plus people coming through and also tying into your podcast, I feel like connecting with the East as well. So this whole you know, sea of young people over there that are um, definitely working hard, but also trying to find a bit more peace in their life. Uh, I mean, I would love to connect with people like that, that are wanting to also reconnect. That's not an easy one because there's just a lot of, well, right now it's not that easy with um, mm-hmm. most of it's online. Yes, yeah, so this year's been funny. Like I had a, I, I went traveling last year, but, or at the end of last year, but I had quite a good class going in South Island where I had, you know, a good amount of people, 10 to 15 people in a class coming along. And this year with Zoom, it started off quite strong, but it has been a little bit harder to like keep a high number coming through. You know, in that same breath, there's also a lot of potential to reach a lot of people with that. The, the chi connection in a class is stronger when it's person to person and the chi mm-hmm. field in the room is stronger. You can get a really good training across the computer as well. So mm-hmm. I'd stop myself from using it as an excuse. It's just, it's different and you got to adjust. Besides the physical practice, but also just um, the philosophical practice and the, the life coaching element of qigong and gong, I think that could certainly be something that um, that you can still do virtually. Yeah, you have to adjust. You have to change with the change. So you talk a little bit about the millennials and the younger generation also connecting with their Eastern roots. And I think to me, that is something that's very interesting because recently I, I taught a class sharing about co- intangible cultural heritage. And one of the examples was this cloth shoes that historically were made with used old used dead fabric that people find in their house and then they will make them into shoes one of the women in class she said she's part of sustainable asian trades group on facebook you know this idea of sustainability it's always been so deeply rooted in Uh. our heritage it is not one of those gwyneth paltrow you know california you know cool history trend but it's always been there and i feel like the same applies to qigong when it comes to managing stress, finding the balance. It, it, it is not a trend. It's not something that's new. It's, it has always been there. I think it's, it's just a matter of reconnecting with our heritage. We, at, at least with this podcast and with the Culture Gen Network, we're really trying to share Chinese um, and ancient heritage with the world, but also help overseas Chinese, particularly those that were born abroad, to reconnect to their heritage, to reconnect to their roots. And you being a Chinese diaspora yourself, you know, obviously you have the mixed heritage of your Australian mother and your Malaysian Chinese father. And sort of just going back to the Chinese diaspora community, in your teaching, have you taught or have you connected with others that are learning Qigong, not just so much for the practice itself, but also as a way to connect with their heritage? Yeah, this is this has been the funniest thing because I am I'm mixed. So 
your dad's Chinese and mum's Australian. So I kind of wear different hats and look at it through different lenses. Like sometimes like look at it through my white self and I'm like, oh my gosh, China, the East, the youth, you guys are like sitting on the cusp of the most amazing wisdom knowledge and they're kind of going more West. And we're over here trying to sort out our stress by going more East. So we're all kind of like chasing our tail and I'm like, oh, I, I, it just blows my mind. I haven't had much connection with the Chinese diaspora coming back to Qigong. And if we look at like the community of our teachers within this Yongong and the Ranshu field, they're all European or most are all European. So it's this weird game of pass to parcel. We have this amazing teacher from China who's a very wise teacher with fantastic knowledge and he's passed it to us over here in the West. And I don't know, it's almost like we're all just going around and it might come back. <laughs> yeah, and then it's going to come back to Asia as a Western practice. <laughs> yeah, we might just sell it back. It's just fascinating how it's working like that. I just think, I mean, we need it. We need that knowledge to ground ourselves because we've become such stress pots over here and so detached we talk about your jing your physical essence your chi and your shen your true self it's like they're split in three different directions at the moment so we're taking this amazing renshu knowledge or this traditional chinese wisdom knowledge putting ourselves back in line and we've got we've kind of got the east to thank for that but for me being half chinese i really want to kind of connect back to anyone from let's say china or just that chinese diaspora that are looking to reconnect as well well at least i'll probably be perhaps your first chinese diaspora student <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I also think that you are in such a, you know, unique position to share your learning, your practice and your knowledge with both the Western community and the Eastern community. You know, you really embody both. I would love to see more Asians or or those of Eastern heritage and particularly those of Chinese heritage to not just, I think, reconnect to the heritage, but also discover what has been there all along. And I do think that there could be a unique perspective and a unique interpretation that can help when it comes to promoting and sharing the practice with more people around the world. Thank you so much for sharing your Qigong journey with us. I, I've learned a lot and definitely look forward to collaborating with you in the future and in, in sharing this ancient practice with more people. No, thank you very much for inviting me along and giving me a chance to share my story. And yeah, I, I love what you're doing with the concept of your podcast and your page. I think there's a yeah, there's a really exciting Chinese diaspora out there that are doing what we've talked about here, like reconnecting, exploring calligraphy, the language, the culture, the health practices, the art. So it's great. I really like it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for joining us in this journey to build a global Chinese diaspora community, one conversation at a time. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends. And you can also follow us on Instagram at CultureGen. That's where we post daily Chinese artistic and cultural content to inspire our modern living. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.